Well, good morning. Happy Sabbath. I want to say that it's good to be back, but it's time for me to leave. So um, I just want to praise God for the time that He has given me. Um, three weeks to just spend time with family, to just see friends, um, to minister to people. And I just want to share with you, before coming here to Malaysia, I was in Cambodia for two weeks um, on a mission trip, and I was just um, teaching kids. Um, I was teaching in a school. I was teaching English and the Bible, and it was truly a blessing. It truly opened my eyes to see the needs of people that do not have the privileges that we have here. So I want to praise God for the time that He has given me here. And even though it's sad that I have to go back, I'm looking forward to the new blessings and the new experiences that God will give to me. Um, I know it's close to Christmas, and maybe some of you are, are expecting me to present about Christmas or a message about Christmas. But today I'm going to be sharing about God's leading in our lives. My title for my sermon this morning is The Red Sea Experience. The Red Sea Experience. I want to ask that you please bow your heads with me once again as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the freedom of worship. We thank you that we can be here to worship you. And Lord, as we listen to your voice speaking to us, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be poured down into our hearts. We ask that you will help us to be not only hearers, but also doers of your word. Lord, I pray that you will please speak through me, that you will take this message that you have given me, and may it be a blessing to all of us today. Please be with us at this time and draw close to us. Fill us with your presence, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as we come to the end of the year, and as we usher in a new year, you know, there's one thought that is always on our minds. There's something that we always think about as we come to the end of, it, of the year. And that thought is, what does the future hold? Or what does the upcoming year bring? And, you know, perhaps we had a bad year in 2018. Perhaps we had trials and challenges in the past year. And maybe we're thinking that the new coming year is going to be great. That better things are coming in the new year. But sometimes, thinking about the new year can also be discouraging. Because we do not know what trials and challenges we are going to face in the new year. And that un uncertainty can make us feel discouraged. And you know, we as human beings, um, we have the tendency where we like to be in control of our future. Am I right? Like we like to plan, we like to figure things out in advance just so that we know how the year is going to be. Like I bet even right now, some of you have planned for your upcoming year. We like to be in control. We like to be certain of what's going to happen in the future. We like to know how we are going to get through the next year. But today, as we are coming close to the end of the year, I want to remind you about something that the Bible tells us. 
Let's go to the Bible in the book of Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Book of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And if you are there, you can let me know by saying amen. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, as we enter the new year soon, we need to keep this verse in mind, that no matter how much we try to plan our upcoming year, who is in control? God is in control. His ways and His thoughts are not the same as our ways and our thoughts. And many times, we find that His ways goes contrary to our ways. It goes contrary to our ways. But the question is, when things do not go our way, can we still trust in God's leading? When things are not in agreement to the way that we plan things, can we still trust in His leading and providence in our lives? You see, this is the experience that the Israelites faced going through the wilderness, going through the Red Sea. Many times, the way they planned things, the way they wanted things to happen was not the way God wanted it to be. And when it was not, you know, the way they wanted it to be, they had struggles trying to trust in God. But let's go there as we begin our study today. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. You know, today's message may not be a message that is new, but let it be a reminder to us once again. Exodus chapter 14, and we will start in verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Fihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Siphon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. You see, I want you guys to see something here. God could have led His people in so many ways. God could have led His people through dry land. God could have led His people through the mountains. But rather than any other route, God leads the children of Israel, where? To the sea. God leads the children of Israel to the sea. And here's the lesson for us to learn. Sometimes God leads us to impossible situations trying situation in our lives. No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we wait for a better way, no matter how much we try to find the best solution, God still brings us to the sea. Because there is something in the sea, that experience going through the sea, that God wants us to learn. And that's why God brings us there. Verse 3, we see that Pharaoh saw that the children of Israel were going to the sea. And he said, they are entangled. The wilderness had shut them in. You see, part of the reason why God brings us to the sea is because God wants others to see that we are in that situation. Why? 
Why does God want others to see that we are in a trying situation? It's not because God wants others to see our suffering. It's because God wants others to see how He will deliver us. It's so that God's name can be glorified when He delivers us. You see, we have to remember that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so God leads His children to the sea. And in our lives, God leads us to the Red Seas as well. Now let's look at Pharaoh's response. Let's go to verse 4. Exodus 14, verse 4 through 9. The Bible says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with an high hand, but the Egyptians pursued after them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them. And camping by the sea beside Fihahiroth, before Baal Siphon. So notice the response of Pharaoh. What was the question that Pharaoh asked? He asked, why have we done this? Now that's a strange question. Why? Because what did Pharaoh see in Egypt? He saw the ten plagues, remember? He saw the ten plagues. He saw the power of God. So there were at least ten reasons why Pharaoh let the children of Israel go. But he was blinded. His heart was hardened once again to be blinded to the power of God and to see his greed for power and for control. This goes to show what we become under Satan's control. We become blinded to the power of God. We become blinded to his leading, to his mercy. All we want is self-exaltation. We want control and we want power. Well, let me tell you that Satan and his people will never give up in fighting God and his people. We need to understand this point, that as we become closer to God, we become direct enemies of Satan. So in verse 6 and 7, the Bible says that Pharaoh takes 600 chariots, the most advanced military weapons of the time, to go after the Israelites. And let me tell you that there will come a time in the future, the very near future, that Satan's people, the union of church and state, the civil power of the world, will come after God's people with the most advanced technology, the most advanced weapons, and they will come after us. And when that time happens, God's people will be, will be waiting by the sea. You see, we need to understand that everything we are going through right now is a preparation for that final 
conflict. If we do not go through the Red Seas in our lives right now, we will not be ready for that final Red Sea at the end of time. And I want to encourage you, when you have the time, study Exodus 14 and the seven last weeks, and you will see numerous parallels between these two um, stories and chapters. But I want to exhort you this morning, this coming new year, as we go through the Red Sea experiences in our lives, let us keep in mind the purpose of why God is allowing us to go through this. Why has God put us through the sea? He has a purpose for it. Now, let's jump down to verse 10. Verse 10, the Bible says, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So here we see the reaction of the Israelites to this trial that God had placed them in. Was it a positive reaction or was it a negative reaction? Negative, right? Number one, we see that they were sore afraid. They were fearful. They were distrustful. They were scared. Number two, they accused God. Really, they accused Moses, but indirectly, they were accusing God of taking them away into the wilderness to die. And thirdly, they preferred slavery in Egypt over the freedom that God was going to give them. This was the reaction of the Israelites to this trial. Now, before we start, go into that, I want to stop and pause and ask you this question. Did the Israelites have any reason to despair? Do you think that they had a good reason to blame God or to be fearful? No. Why? Let's go back a chapter. Let's go to Exodus 13, 21 and 22. Exodus 13, 21 and 22. The Bible says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. To go by day and night, he took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So you see, the Israelites had no reason to despair because God had led them in the past. They had evidences of God's leading in their lives, His providence in their past circumstances. And those experiences in the past of God's leading should have given them confidence for their present circumstance. However, instead of trusting in God, they were in despair. You see, God was teaching the Israelites to walk by faith and not by sight. If you think about it, before, when God was leading them by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, those were things that the Israelites could physically see. Do you agree? 
Those were things that they could see. And, you know, when you can see something, it's easy for you to trust. It's easy for you to follow God when everything is laid out before you, when everything is so clear, so easy, so smooth. Right? But here at the sea, right, looking at the raging waves of the sea, they could not physically see how God could lead them. They could not see the path, um, you know, easily set before them. And because of this, their faith was shaken. And they could not trust God. My question to you is, can you trust God when things seem hopeless and helpless? When everything in your life is either giving you a headache or a heartache, when everything in your life is all doom and gloom, can you trust God in the most helpless situations of your life? Can you trust Him? God wants us today to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to have unwavering faith during the most difficult circumstances in our lives. He wants to bring us to have a complete trust in Him. But going back to the Israelites and how they reacted to this situation, here we see the easiest steps to discouragement, despair, and hopelessness. Number one, the Israelites were fearful, right? And that fear led them to do what? To blame God. And eventually... Finally, they had a desire for their own life. Let's talk about fear. What does the Bible tell us about fear? Let's go to the book of 1 John 4, verse 18. First John 4, 18. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath Torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So someone that does not have perfect love has fear. They're fearful. So really, the Israelites did not have perfect love towards God. That's why they were fearful. Because think about it. If you have perfect love towards God, you also have perfect trust in Him. Am I right? And therefore, you will not be fearful. But if your love to God is shaky, it's wavering, your trust in Him is not full and complete. And therefore, when trials hit you, you will be fearful, just like the Israelites. They did not have perfect love for God. Now let's talk about blame. Where is the first instance that we see the blame game happen? Genesis, right? In the Garden of Eden, we see that Adam blamed God for Eve, Eve blamed God for the serpent, and we know that Satan is also called the accuser of the brethren. But all this is because of sin. It's because of sin in our lives that causes us to blame God. When you are in a trying situation and you blame God, that's because you are cherishing sin in your heart. The reason why you question and blame God and accuse God is because you are not cleansed from your sin. You have not experienced the cleansing power of sin in your lives. And therefore, you cannot understand the reason why God has put you there. 
the, so the Israelites, they were still cherishing sin in their hearts. And the third thing, they desired their own life. And, you know, this is really the main purpose of Satan's attack. It's to make me and you desire our own life. He wants us to go back to our old life of sin. And what does the Bible tell us about our old life? Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, when we experience the Red Seas in our lives, are we fearful instead of trusting God? Do we find ourselves blaming God and accusing God instead of trusting in Him? Do we desire our own life of ease and comfort? I can honestly tell you that I can answer yes to all these three questions. You know, when I first got to the U.S., God brought me through a Red Sea experience. And I can say honestly that this was, so far in my life, the hardest experience that I have been through, the hardest trial that God has put me through. And as I reflect back, you know, I was fearful. I did not trust God. I ended up blaming God and accusing Him of, you know, why did He put me here? And I desired my own life of ease and comfort again. There were so many times, and you can ask my mom, so many times that I wanted to just come back and give up that life because it was just too hard. So many times that I wanted to give up the calling that God has placed in my life because it was not easy. So many times I wanted to just come back to have ease and comfort. Many times... The first thing we do when we go through trying situations is to blame God and to accuse Him. Instead of trying to understand why has He put us there. But how can we overcome this today? How can we go through trials and develop a personal and closer relationship with God? Today I want to share with you six points on how we can develop a close walk with God when we go through trials. Let's go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 14. And we'll be looking at verse 13 to 15. Six steps to developing a personal re relationship with God through trials. Exodus 14, verse 13. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Here we see Moses' response to the cries of the children of Israel. And now the first thing that I want to point out is, the Bible says, or Moses said to the people, fear ye not. So the first thing that we need to do is to not fear. Do not be afraid. 
But how can we practically not be afraid? How can we not be fearful? Ellen White writes in a number of books, We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and His teaching in our past history. So how can we practically not be afraid? We need to reflect on our past lives and see how God has led us in the past. And we need to allow His leading in the past to give us greater confidence to move forward in the present and in the future. You know, many times when we are faced with trials, just like the Israelites, we forget how God has led us in the past. We forget how He has delivered us, how He has provided for us. You see, no matter how trying our situation may be, we must never lose faith in God. If God has led us in the past, do you think God will forsake you now? Do you think God will forsake you in the future? No. The Bible says that God will not leave you nor forsake you. And it's as simple as that. If you have the mindset where if God has been leading you all this way up till this present moment, God will continue to lead you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. As you look back in your past life, as you look back at 2018, can you see God's leading and His providence? Can you see His grace and mercy in your life? Can you truly say that your Redeemer has been faithful and true? If so, have confidence that God will not leave you now, no matter what you're going through. If He has led you in the past, He will do the same for you again, time and time again. God will lead you. That's number one. Fear ye not. Look back to your past life. Have confidence that God will continue to finish the work that He has started in you. Number two, Moses tells the people to stand still. You see, whenever we are faced with an impossible situation, especially if there is tremendous pressure, and you know, you, you feel stressed, you feel anxious, what do you feel like doing? Can you just sit still and do nothing? No. You know, when we are in a trying situation, our human tendency, tendency is we want to do something to make that situation better. You know, we get stressed. Um, you know, we try to find ways on how we can, um, you know, go through or to find a solution. We want to do something. We want to run. We want to fix the problem. We want to fight back. But there are times where there's nothing you can do. And you have to realize that all that worrying, all that um, being anxious and stressed is not going to help you. So why do it, right? If worrying and being anxious and stressed out is not going to help you, why do it? It only makes the situation worse. God says, stand still. Take a deep breath. In other words, just chill. I got this. All you have to do is surrender to God and trust Him, right? Like, it's so simple, but sometimes it's so hard for us to get it. And this is something that I'm still learning in my life, you know? When I go through some um, problem, can I truly just take a step back, just trust God, and just surrender to Him? It's so simple, yet so profound. 
This is something that we have to learn. Stand still. There are times that there is nothing we can do. Just surrender to God. Let go and let God. But what does the Bible tell us about standing? Let's go to the book of Ephesians 6, verse 13 to 18. Ephesians 6, verse 13 to 18. The Bible says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Put on the armor of God. You see, when we study the armor of God, we know that the armor of God is really the Word of God, right? And when we put on the armor of God, that's what enables us to stand against Satan and his attacks. So really, if we want to be able to stand still, we need to have the Word of God in our hearts. In other words, we need to have a devotional life. You cannot go through trials and be at peace if you are not spending time in the Word of God. You need to stand on the truth, the Word of God. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And knowing God is spending time in the Bible. We need to make sure that we know God through His Word and so we can know His will in our lives. So that's the second point. Standing still, being at peace. How? By spending time in God's Word. The third point. Moses tells the people to see the salvation of the Lord. Now, another word for see is watch, right? Let's go to Luke 21, 36. Luke 21, 36. The Bible says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. You see, this is our role. We need to study the Word of God, but we also need prayer. We cannot have one without the other. Many times, when we are going through trials, prayer is the last thing that we do, at least in my life. Prayer is the last thing we do when that should be the very first thing we do. That should be the very first work. We need to learn to have a prayerful life. And these are the two things that God has really helped me to develop in my time in the U.S. Um, just to share with you, there were times where... Um, so I, I, I experienced depression in the past, and in the U.S., my depression came back um, greater than it ever was. And I was being pushed to the limit financially, physically, mentally, and 
there were times that I was having even suicidal thoughts. Um, I was, you know, thinking of going out to buy pills to just ease the pain, um, just struggling, going through a really hard time, um, not knowing what to do. Um, the, the depression was so strong, um, so overwhelming. But in the midst of all this, um, God helped me to develop a prayerful life and a devotional life. You see, sometimes when we do not have a prayerful life and a devotional life, God needs to bring us into a trying circumstance so that we can develop that prayerful life and devotional life. That's the thing that God has really helped me to have. And now, even though I still go through trials, it's so much easier with prayer and with the Word of God. So that's something we need, friends. We need prayer. We need the Word of God. We need the Holy Spirit for power so that we can go through trials having strength. Not our strength, but strength from God. The fourth point is the Lord shall fight for you. We need to expect that the Lord will fight for us. This is the opportunity for us to exercise faith. Faith in the Word of God. Trusting God and claiming His promises in the Bible. Trusting Him because he's, He has said it in His Word and He will do it. The Lord will fight for you. You have to claim that promise that He will fight for you. Fifth point, you shall hold your peace. You need to keep, keep the peace. Be calm. But you see, this is not a peace that comes from us. It's a peace that only God can give. Let's go to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As we pray and as we surrender the rest to God, we will experience peace in our hearts, knowing that He is in control. So the next time that you are going through some trying situation. Pray first instead of trying to fix your problem. Pray first, and the peace of God will come in your hearts. And the last point, the last point in verse 15 is Moses tells God, you know, when the time is right, when you want the people to do it, tell them to go forward. So we need to go forward when God commands. You see, if the children of Israel had not stepped foot into the water, into the sea, God could not have parted the Red Sea. Here we see a combination of faith and works. We need to have unwavering faith in God, but also we need to act when God has shown us the path. We need to be ready. We need to obey. When God tells us go, we need to go. We need to have that obedience on our part. So when we are going through trials and God opens up the way and He says go, you need to have the willingness to obey 
and to follow God and to follow His path. So just to recap, what is our role in going through a Red Sea experience? Number one, stand still. Seek the Word of God and know Him. We need to daily spend time in the Word of God and know God so that our faith will not be shaken in times of trouble. That's number one. Number two, see and watch, meaning pray always. Prayer is the breath of life. And without prayer, we are spiritually dead. If we do not pray, we are not spiritually breathing. And lastly, go forward when God tells us to. Be ready to follow the path that God has set for you. Ellen G. White says in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 4, page 538, Prayer and effort, effort and prayer, will be the business of your life. You must pray as though the efficiency and praise were all due to God, and labor as though duty were all your own. So as we go through this new year, Maybe this is the resolution that you can have for this upcoming year. To seek to know God, to have a personal relationship with Him through, devotion, through your devotions, through a prayerful life, and to have the right actions to follow God. Now we know the rest of the story. We know God parts the Red Sea, the people of Israel cross through, and the Egyptians died, Right? But let's go to the end of the story as we close this morning. Let's go to Exodus 14, verse 30. 30 and 31. Exodus 14, 30 and 31. The Bible says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Eventually, God saved the Israelites from the Egyptians and helped them cross the Red Sea. And because of this Red Sea experience, the Israelites feared and trusted God even more. And today, God wants to do the same thing for us. He wants to bring us into the same experience. As we end this year soon, and as we go into the new year, perhaps God wants to bring us through a Red Sea experience so that we can go, that we can grow in our faith. Maybe some of us are even going through a Red Sea experience right now. And maybe right now, you cannot see God's deliverance in your lives. Maybe right now, you feel like God is silent. Maybe right now, just like the Israelites, you have forgotten about his past leadings and you are fearful. You are uncertain of how God will lead you in the future. But I want to tell you, don't lose hope, but continue to have faith and confidence in God who is faithful because he will deliver you. You see, these stories in the Bible are not stories that um, we read, um, you know, to our children or read as bedtime stories or read when, you know, we, we just, you know, when we have nothing else to do. These are stories that God has put in His Word so that when we read these stories, 
we can truly apply it in our lives. So I hope that as we go through this new year, with the different Red Sea experiences that we will face, that we'll truly trust God, knowing that He will fight for us, that He will part the Red Sea for us. We only need to trust Him. So as I recap once again our lesson this morning, number one, God likes to bring His people into impossible situations, trying situations, so that He can mold us and He can increase our faith. Number two, when we face impossible situations, God does not expect us to fear, blame, or to run back to our old life. Instead, He wants us to trust Him and to go forward. Third, instead, He asks us to fear not, stand still in the truth, see or watch and pray for the salvation of God, and expect that the Lord will fight for us. And on our part, we need to hold our peace, be calm, and be ready to go forward when God tells us to. My appeal for us this morning is, or this afternoon, is even though you do not know what lies before you, though you may not know what the future holds in 2019, will you trust God to lead you? Will you look at the promises found in His Word and claim it in prayer? Will you allow God to perform the impossible as you enter 2019? Maybe some of you have impossible situations that you are facing today. Maybe some of you are experiencing a Red Sea that God has brought to you. I want to tell you that you can take comfort that He will deliver you. You need to fear not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. He will fight for you, and you can hold your peace. Go forward. Follow these steps, and your life will be at peace with any situation. My encouragement for us is, as we begin a new year, let us allow God to fully lead us. And no matter what we face in this coming year, let us look back to how God has led us in the past and have a greater assurance that He will not leave us nor forsake us, that He will continue to lead us till we reach the gates of heaven. If that is your desire this morning, let us stand as we sing our closing hymn, He Leadeth Me. And I'd like to invite the praise team to come up as we sing this song, He Leadeth Me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for how you have led us so far, how you have led us in 2018. Lord, as we look back in our lives, we can only see the goodness and your mercy. And we just want to thank you so much for your leading. And Lord, as we enter a new year, we may not know what is ahead of us. And though we feel scared, fearful, I pray that you will help us to have complete trust in you. Continue to lead us, Lord. We know that your coming is soon. Lead us. Help us to be faithful till your second coming. Help us to have a prayerful life and a devotional life in this coming year. And I pray that you will help us to develop that personal relationship with you as you bring us through the Red Seas in our lives. 
continue to be with us. Bless this church in a special way. For you pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.